I'll be coming for her. And I'll be coming for you, too. Sure you will. And I'll be waiting. You are about to enter a world unlike any you've ever seen before. Where rock and roll is king. The only law is a loaded gun. Where the beautiful... Stay and see the show, it's really good. The brutal... I want Tom Cody. And the brave all meet. From now on, it's for real. In Streets of Fire. of 48 Hours, Universal Pictures presents Michael Paré, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, and Amy Madigan in a Walter Hill film, Streets of Fire. Welcome back, everybody, to Jump vs. the World presents Bad Meaning Bad or Bad Meaning Good. Whew. This episode is going to be a doozy. We are doing Streets of Fire 1984. But joining me on this ride, I got my man Jay. What's going on, good sir? Hey, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, that song for some reason, if you've seen this movie, it gets you hype. It's a bop, <laughs> it is. You, you find yourself just like either clapping to it, tapping your foot, or whatever to it, but just out of nowhere because it just, yeah, it's one of those type of songs. Yeah, I actually got it. I have it on my phone, so sometimes, like if I'm at work, I say, "You know what? I want to hear Streets of Fire right now. <laughs> I want to hear the soundtrack. Let me get this thing running." Uh, yes, but this is a Walter Hill production, uh, and we've done this movie before, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere out there, there's you know, the first time we did this, and you may get that sometime down the line. Who knows? Uh, and maybe not even on this site. Maybe you should just throw it on yours now. Since, you know, if you got it, just throw it yeah. on yours or whatever. Um, but I think I want to do this movie for bad meaning bad or bad meaning good because I'm always torn when it comes to this movie. I really enjoy this movie. That's the first thing. I'm just not sure if it's a bad, bad or bad, good movie. And I think it goes to the lead 
Michael Piera. <laughs> because I think he was put in a position. Well, he was put in a great position because it was, it was an ensemble cast, right? So you don't have to do all the lifting. But, <laughs> buddy, what they got him doing just felt off. It never quite clicked. I guess maybe for the exception of when it was time to do action scenes, that was fine. But yeah. that opening with the switchblade, <laughs> it didn't start off well because, you know, how the camera kept going back, going back, going back. I was like, okay, what's happening now? Because I don't know. Like, so wait a minute. Let me ask you this question. When was the first time that you, when was the first time that you saw Streets of Fire? If you can remember. It was a, it had to be, let's see, because I've been in my place where I'm at now almost six years. So it had to be, it had to be probably about seven years ago. It was, it was on stars late one night. Mm, okay. And, and I was like, it's like, what the hell is this? And why is Rick Moranis being a complete asshole? Cause you know, you never seen him like that before. Like, what the fuck is this? And then we start seeing like all these familiar faces in it. I was like, Hmm. Okay, this is interesting. What, what is what movie is this? I've never seen this before. And yeah, so yeah, it had to be like maybe about six, seven years ago. The first time I saw it. Yeah, I think that's the same thing for me. And I, it was stars. I do remember it was stars that I saw it on. And it's <laughs> like the first question I had when I first saw, okay, what's the time period? <laughs> Because <laughs> it's, it's questionable in a lot of scenes. It's like, well, first of all, what time period is Tom Cody in? Because that fit that he got on, okay, where you get them damn pants with them suspenders? Oh, it's from? filthy. Like, it's, it's a disgusting <laughs> fit. And I know we joke on fits a lot, but this is just like, no, it's like everything in suspenders. Like the suspenders, the suspenders is what make the make the whole ensemble pop because he's always got them on, even when he don't have a shirt. He got some yep. suspenders. On. I'm like, well, well, he have to because he don't have no belt. Yeah, that, <laughs> like I said, that the pants did look like they were gonna fall off. So I guess you're right on that. I'm like, what the, I'm like, what the fuck he got on? Like, what is that? So yeah, it. it oh, okay. So I'm going to read some. I don't know we everywhere with this, but I I, I want to I want to put y'all in Walter Hare's mind frame mm. <laughs> about this movie. Walter Hare. The film's origins come out of a desire to make what he thought was a perfect film when he was a teenager, and put in all the things that he thought were pretty much cool: custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon. Trains in the night, high speed pursuits, pursuits, excuse me, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, jokes in tough situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor. He absolutely put all this shit in the movie, and you can absolutely pinpoint every scene. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and for point of reference, let's uh, let's let the people know that Walter Hill was was born in 1942, right? So he was a teenager in the 50s. True, and that 
that definitely has to be stated because I know you could probably look at it and be like, well, wait a minute, what year was he born? Is he like 30? No, this is a older gentleman. So the things that he saw that he was bringing into 84 or whenever they were uh, filming the movie, I'm guessing 83 or 82, um, those are things that he saw. And he, I guess, I mean, I guess that's cool. It was, I guess that was more like a personal project. Like, yeah, this is what I thought was cool in the TJ. And let me do this and let me do that. But it really is just him throwing darts. It really yeah. is. Because as I said, this is like, if you want to say it's in the 1940s, yep. If you want to say it's in the 1960s, yep. If you want to say it's in the 1980s, I ain't going to argue with you. Because <laughs> when you look at the rock concert, you be like, oh, I can see that. I, I can see that being on MTV. Yeah. And okay, another crazy thing is that you, the movie almost had Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Fire as the theme. So, like, the theme, henceforth, the name of the movie. But for, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. And I wonder what those reasons were. I don't know. Maybe maybe the boss saw this like, this is some goofy shit. I don't want my song attached to this. Like, what? Or maybe he wanted maybe he wanted too much dough. I don't know. It possibly maybe he wanted to play Tom Cody. You know? Oh, good lord. Like that, that's the biggest issue of this movie. Like that is it's Tom Cody, Michael Piera, his character. I don't know what was happening there. And he had chemistry with nobody. Nobody. And it was crazy. He was supposed to be like, I guess, next man up doing that Uh-oh. era. <laughs> oh, well, I heard that he was um, the same people that found Eddie Murphy found him. You can't always bat a thousand, so I get it. <laughs> you never wrong with batting five hundred. So Walter Hill probably thought, "Well, look what I did with Eddie Murphy in forty hours. Maybe I could do this with him in this movie." Those are two different uh, type of actors, and they I, are. But- and it's because you know what I mean. Because Eddie was, well, at that time Eddie was looking, looked at as the funny man, but he could do some straight or you know be serious or action, you know whatever you need. Because you remember we had Beverly Hills Cop, Forty Eight Hours, and countless other movies. I think later on, as we saw, you know, like now with the um, Dolomite movie, you saw more of a range from Eddie. Like, and I mean, actually, I take that back. I think you saw more of a range from him around Dream Girls. Mm-hmm. He actually, because it was like, oh no, he's really, he's a really good actor. And I take that back. We saw that range in Boomerang. Like, I'm really like, I think people undersell how good Eddie Murphy is as an actor because he was, you know, because at first thing people think is comedy. Yep. But then when you look at Michael Piera, it's like, uh, what? Like, I can't even think of nothing else I watched that he was in. And I probably have watched something that he was in. I just don't remember. You know, he's not a rememberable, you know, type of actor. Now, if people enjoy his work, cool. But this time for 1984 for this movie, I felt like somebody else was supposed to be cast for this movie. And I've I've joked with you. I always say it's supposed to be Stallone. I think I said that the first time we tried to record. It just felt like they asked Stallone. He read the script. And he was probably like, no, or either I don't get it, 
and you know they went to the next person. Which which that would be wild if he said he don't get it because this is the same man who does goddamn rhinestone. So true, but when you see something that when you probably first read this, can you like a rock and roll fable? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a rock and roll fable, and I mean it does have a lot of rock and roll in it, and and it does have like some fantasy to it because yeah, you don't know what city they supposed to be. Yeah, you don't know what city. Like it's it's usually things that are known in movies aren't known in this movie. Like what city is it? What year is it? You know what I mean? Like who's president? Like all you know is about this specific little town. Or I guess corner. <laughs> guess that's where it felt like they were always on like a corner, because they had the 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 motel was right there, the diner was right there, and the police station. Like, it was all on that corner. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. And and, and the uh, club auditorium, whatever was was right down the street. Yeah. So yeah, it was literally like in a corner of wherever. We do have Diane Lane in this movie. Uh, yes. She was absolutely. I think she did a great job of what she was given to do. Rick Moranis' character as, mm. as Billy Fish is <laughs> it's jarring, folks. That's the best way I can explain it. It's just a jarring because this is Rick Moranis' little shop, little shop of horrors, uh, Ghostbusters. You know, just anything you could think of, and to see Rick Moranis doing this because he's not a villain. He's just playing somebody who's super unlikable. He doesn't like women, oh. and all he cares about is money. And and, and are you going to say who you say he is? Oh, he's P. Diddy. He's P. Diddy. He's absolutely P. Diddy in 1997. <laughs> oh, God. But, okay, so the craziest thing about Rick Moranis being in this movie, right? So this movie came out. A week before Ghostbusters, mm. the same year. Yes, this movie came out June first, nineteen eighty four. Ghostbusters came out June eighth, nineteen eighty four. Well, so, well, well. <laughs> but was on. He was on. He was in his uh on his wave, wasn't he? So, so think about this: if if this movie hit and Ghostbusters different, if it did it we would be looking at Rick Moranis probably in a completely different way than what we know him of. Because he wrote that, oh, I'm kind of a goof, you know, aloof sometimes and everything. But you love him. That follow. You do. But you never saw him like this after. You know, I, I think we talked about this before. I just wonder why Moranis just said, nah, I'm out. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, we actually did. Um, and it was the whole thing about his wife um, getting sick and. Okay, okay, and yeah, okay, he, yeah, yeah, that whole thing. So he he took a backseat, and even though he he stopped like acting in actual movies, he was still doing like voice work. Cause, you know, you just show up in a studio for a couple hours and then you know dip out. But but as far as like regular movies, no. Nah, yeah, like, being away like three and four months and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I'm glad you did bring that back because I I thought about it again. I was like, damn, Moran's just kind of because you know actors do that. Like, I don't know if you've been reading interviews. Like, Denzel kind of like, yeah, I'm about to be out, bro, because ain't nothing else for me to do. 
I mean, he he almost seventy. People, you know, we kind of forget that. Like he he don't look it, but yeah, he getting up there in age. Like yeah, I can't be doing this shit forever. Yeah, like Dan, you know, Dan Day Lewis, peace. <laughs> like, like, and you just think about Rick Moranis. Like, I'm not, you know, putting him in that type of cat, you know, actor. Yeah. But just saying, you know, him just to not leave the industry 100%, but at his height, just kind of like. I'm, I mean, I'll I, I go one better. Uh, some, I mean, he just passed away. Um, Sidney Poitier. He took an 11 year absence away yeah. from acting he was he was directing but he's he didn't act in a movie for 11 years he came back in one of my favorite movies shoot the kill with tom berger that was the first movie he did like taking an 11 year break from acting he, and then he returned in that so yeah he, but you know i think that's so I, I just i think that's dope when you're an actor and I think all those guys that we just talked about as far as whatever the circumstances were for them just to be like, can't do it right now. I got other things going on or just to be like, I've done everything or just to be like, I just don't want to do it no more. It's so dope because, you know, we both wrestling fans and we just see sometimes our stars just hang on, hang on, hang on. Another payday, another payday, another payday. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I get it. You know, bills got to be paid. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're an actor or actress out there and you just be like, nah, I'm done. And just like, I'm going to do something else. (laughs) Like whatever that may be, I'm just going to do something. I think this is so dope. Cause it's like, you, we ain't going to sit back and say, Ooh, that Daniel day Lewis movie he did before he left. I don't know. Like he left kind of like he left on top. So, so basically, you put down Sean Connery. Is that what you're doing? No, I'm not putting down. No, 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 <laughs> no, I'm just no, no, no. The only, the only, my only beef with Sean Connery and me and Shahid have talked about his newer son. He's just, he just said no to a lot of things that maybe he should have said yes to. Well, I, I feel like he, he definitely was right about not taking the Matrix because you couldn't have got him to. Say all that dialogue at the end of the second. I'm not saying the <laughs> shit. Exactly. Right? It's like no, but I think he should have took Gandalf. I will say that. Uh, yeah. See, that's the whole. That's the funny thing about movies, and then we've talked about this numerous times on <laughs> offline, online, you know, whatever that. When you say, you know what I mean? You just don't know how I play. Like, it yeah. sound good in theory. Like, oh, he should have did it. But then knowing the jokes that he gave for certain stuff that he do or knowing how, like you said, the Matrix that he went to all that goobly goop Bible yeah. computer nonsense. He <laughs> what does this even mean? It would have been his first question. And can we condense this? Most likely. And at that point, because he was... Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery. Yeah, they, they probably they might have even made concessions to that. Uh, yeah, during that time, yeah, 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 yeah. Just because of who they were, but yeah. you know, I don't know how they were feeling off. You know, after that first Matrix, you know, they might have been feeling themselves a little bit. Like, nah, you gonna read what we wrote? <laughs> yeah, there, there you have something controversial. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's dope. But back to uh, Streets of Fire. An- another thing about this movie that, I, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I got 
I got I got stuff to read for you tonight because this is just an interesting movie. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Michael Piera and Rick Moranis. And this is Michael Piera talking about Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis drove me out of my mind. There's this whole wave of insult comedy. In the real world, if someone insults you a couple of times, you can smack them or punch them. <laughs> you can't do that on a movie set. And these comedians walk around and they can say whatever they want. I'm just not handy with that. Comedians are a special breed. They can antagonize you and say whatever they want and you can't do anything to stop them. He's this weird looking little guy who couldn't get laid in a whorehouse with a fist full of fifties. What? Okay. Hold on. Hold, hold on. This is, let me finish this off there. This is what he said about Rick Moranis, right? Rick Moranis didn't like this movie because he couldn't improvise. Everything that he said was written. Why is he mad at him? Okay, so I, I'm 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 gonna say this that again, we for for anyone, hopefully you watch this movie before you listen to us talk about it, so you'll get a idea of what we are talking about as far as Tom, Tom <laughs> Cody acting in this movie. I did it for you, babe. I think. I think I think I think Rick Moranis probably was getting fed up with him. Like this dude probably sounds like he reading dummy cards. And who knows what he was saying in between takes. You know what I mean? So I just I don't know either. I don't I don't know either one of them. I do know Rick Moranis is Canadian. Have you ever have you ever met a mean Canadian? I feel like he was re because if you watch the movie, Rick Moranis was throwing a lot of insults out at him. Michael Pierre is saying he was improvising. The reason why Rick Moranis doesn't enjoy this movie, he said he didn't enjoy this movie because they wouldn't let him improvise. So either Michael Pierre didn't get it, or he wasn't in on it, or something it just seemed like it was a disconnect there from you know from co-star you know I mean, from the two stars you know like they i don't know it seemed like it was something else going on there because that don't make sense yeah, they, probably, they probably just didn't get along true i got yeah. now look we know we've known that like i just talked about malcolm jamal water and eddie griffin not getting along but what i'm saying is for Michael Pierre to feel like he was getting picked on and he said he was improvising. And <laughs> Rick Miranda saying he didn't like the movie because they wouldn't let him improvise. You get what I'm saying? It's a disconnect somewhere. Well, well, okay, well, I throw this in there. What if, because of the fact Rick Moranis is a comedian, right? What if, what if he would like improvise a line and they would be like, cut? No, 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 we ain't doing that. And be like, true. Shit, we do. Right, I, it's one of them type of things. So you never know. We got we got Rich pulled up. Uh, how's it going, sir? Not much, not much. Trying to keep you know keep things safe out in these streets. Uh, uh, we appreciate you for keeping things straight, uh, st- uh, safe in the streets. I'm sorry. 
Um, we haven't started talking about the movie. We're talking about a lot of the outside things in the movie. But I have to ask you this, Rich. This is your first time viewing Streets of Fire, 1984. What are your thoughts? Listen, in fact, I just forgive me if you heard it. I just uh, fired up my laptop. Yeah, I heard Tom Cody. It. I, watched it. <laughs> I watched it twice. Yeah, I watched it twice today because Rick Moranis had me feeling some kind of way when my man caught a two piece and a biscuit and didn't think he was going to catch it. But he just caught the biscuit. Let me be honest. My man just caught one. Oh, uh, goodness. I loved it. I thought this was wild. You know, one of my favorite uh, uh, podcasts, some buddies of mine do in Florida called uh, Bad Movie Fiends, mm-hmm. uh, BMF uh, cast. And, oh, crap. I think Williams just tore his ACL. Um, and the thing they talk about on there is there's a movie called Stargrove, which had Uncle Jesse in it. And it uh, opens just like this one does with like a music piece that like kind of tells the story of the movie, though. Right. Uh, and so this was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, this is a star growth. And then you get to the end and you got more music. I was like, this is like a musical detective action, grimy, like I, my man looked like he'd be accountant walking around just like who looked like they were that accountant walking around. Yeah. I got the <laughs> shot right here. Let me, let me. Let me, let me, let me. Are you talking about? Forgive me. Are you talking about Tom Cody? It might be. Let me see. I got. I'm gonna print screen. Because my man looked like like he's he's gonna be definitely in that family. They went to the reunion. Oh I'd be no. Like, mm. Yeah. Oh, the, and that was the other reason I was watching it the second time because I wanted to make sure I got enough some some Annabeth Gish style gifts. Of my favorite girl from, uh, uh, oh, what 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 is she from? Too close for comfort. Oh, um, the brunette that's like, you either quiet because you got a lot of pain, or you quiet because you a sociopath. <laughs> what kind of quiet are you? She's like, well, shoot, I only got two rules. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the movie, Rich. I really am. Because oh, I did. I mean, I listen. I got thrown off when I realized it was supposed to be the fifties because I was like, a lot of this don't it's, make sense. For what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's, 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 it's nope. a fable. It's a rock and roll fable. So yes. it could be any time you want it to be. Yes. So you chose the fifties. Well, that's what the thing said after I watched it. The synopsis said it was set in the fifties with oh. like greasers and whatnot. Oh, really? <laughs> And I was like, this is an anachronism, and undo it. I was like, how you gonna be a, <coughs> excuse me, how you gonna be a, 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 a punk rock like, like this is a lot going on for one time period. Well, because you have black cops, like the lead cop was like, don't go out, you know, a little like I, I, I was like, this is a lot, this is a lot. Well, funny thing about that is that we just talked about that Walter Hill made this movie and he wanted to make a movie that he would make if he was a teenager with all types of stuff that he enjoyed. So motorcycles, uh, uh, fights, <laughs> everything that you see in the movie is this is basically a movie he would have made if he was a teenager. Listen, Diane Lane is like the least important person in this movie. And I never thought I would ever see. Absolutely that. right. You're absolutely like, right. 
Amy Madigan and Deborah Van Valkenburg. Because remember, Deborah, Deborah Van Valkenburg was also, if, I, if my brain isn't messing me up, she was also in the Warriors. So she yep. now has like two of my three favorite random streets talking like movies like under her belt. All right. Yep, that's her. So that I'm, little awkward little pink tutu thing in the Warriors. Yep. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked <laughs> Jay. Reva, okay, this is weird. Reva, Reva sends a message to her brother telling him to come home now. She said, okay, you got to come home. You got to go save her. Why? Uh, I mean, because that seems like that's their relationship. Like she, again, this, I kept watching this. I was like, this is like a 50s version of the accountant. Okay. Like she calls him up and is like, here's your job. He's like, how much no, are you getting paid? No, 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 no. no. Like, listen, no. Tyson, you're doing this for the love of the game. He absolutely asked, what do he basically said, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even mm-hmm. date her anymore. Can you imagine somebody could, oh, uh, Rich, we need you to come home. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, you know, this girl used to date like 20 years ago. Uh, you need to go save her. Why? Why do you need me to save her? Because this is the plot of like every final fight. <laughs> <laughs> like even the fact of hope his name was Cody. Like I just needed like my man to show up and be like, You better see my daughter, I'm the mayor. Oh uh, hacker. Hacker, yeah. Guess that pile driver. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, now that whole accounting thing will be stuck in my head because yeah, it is. Put, put them together, Jeff. Like, wait, but listen, no, I'm usually not like a person that's big into like conspiracy theories because at some point I'm like, people are just too stupid to be doing this stuff. But listen, if there, if you were to tell me there's a secret underground similar in the accountant in the 50s where people with certain special gifts hide them from the public <laughs> and they're handling it like. Because this man has, he does not have what I would define as a normal relationship with anyone. No, you, like, you're you right. That's like cool with him. It's like, listen, I'm going to need you to leave town like now. And then he shows up and like, oh, guess you didn't listen. I mean. I was like, wait, no, that's not how this works. And then they all pull blasters. Like, like I didn't know a street fight could determine if you're going to have a gang style ex- execution as like a, a, a you know. Oh, that town was, was fed lot. up. That town was fed up at the end. They were about to take my them man. bikers down. You, you see what my man was doing. Willem Dafoe. Was, <laughs> first time bringing them up. In my life, the Raven. Like, listen, I, I, it, this made my this made my day, actually, because, you know, I'm under the weather a little bit. I'm trying to keep it real out here in these streets. And Willem Dafoe, after his place is burned to the ground, I <laughs> wish I had the temerity to go. Like, Yo, what's your name, man? I got to get you. I'm gonna get you, girl. You're all like you're done. And he's like, okay, my name is. He's Good. like, I I thought he was gonna pull out a little piece of paper and be like, here's my address, here's my phone. But I was like, ah, fifties, like Klondike five two 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 two. No, they are pretty much three blocks down. Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You know where like, I'm. I give you a ride. Like I show you where my people are. I see now. Was Tom Cody on the spectrum? Now I'm trying to figure that out. Oh, Lord. No. <laughs> no. No. Let me see if I can find my favorite line because I had it ready. No. I had it ready. My, I know my favorite one. He said, I already did this for you, babe. But not anymore. <laughs> see? <laughs> Jeez. 
me see. Uh oh. like Al Snow and Mick Foley when they say there's a best of Al Snow and there's nothing on the tape. My man just stood there. <laughs> and that's why it was my favorite line in the entire movie for Tom. He just looked. <laughs> he really did just look like, I guess I got everything you said. I don't know. Whatever. Right, like the rain's falling on him. Like I, a bird could have nested on his head. He emotionless, just staring ahead. All right, but that's that's one of his—that's one of his problems. When we was talking earlier, Jeff, about like him as an actor, I've okay, I've seen three movies with him. Oh, yeah, it was funny about it. Is the this is the second of the three because he was in Eddie and the uh, Crusaders first with uh, Tom Berenger. He's in this, and then he does the Philadelphia Experiment, which came out the same year as this, right? Mm -hmm. And he just—I'm like. No, that's just how he was acting. It's like, because at first, if you think, if you watch this movie, you think, oh, well, maybe that's how they wanted this character to be. But when you see him in those other movies, it's like, no, that's that's the maximum of his range. That's what you're going to get. And I think they realized, like, yeah, he's a good looking dude, but we, we, can't, we can't make him a, a star. He can be a supporting character because that's what happens like later on. Because he shows up in uh, the Lincoln Lawyer uh, here, you know, way back with uh, Matthew McConaughey playing. I think he played a cop in that or something. But, you know, around this time, it was like they were trying to make him be like a, he was the next next thing, next man up. But they realized, like, mm, I don't know about that. He's, he's definitely have, yeah, I, yeah, because him just trying to carry this movie was just, I think that's the thing for me. Like, I enjoyed pretty much everything about the movie, but it felt like, they put a lot on his shoulders, and in Rich's little <laughs> scene that he showed, that was like it. I'd rather him just emote most of the time, not say anything, because pretty much it. These one liners were just killing me, because I'm like, are they trying to like make this a thing? And surprise, Rich, don't know if you noticed, this was supposed to be a trilogy. I would have paid for the next two movies. Hey, can I tell you something? <laughs> what they did do a sequel. <laughs> Okay, I'm in. I've oh, never seen oh, okay, it. So I've never seen I, it. I, I can't take credit for. Okay, so I can't take credit. I, I got. I got to do a quick thing, real quick. I apologize to y'all and to the listeners. Uh huh. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, rough neighborhood. My grandmother's raised me while my parents went to work. So I've seen a lot of television because I couldn't like other than going to the store and back. I really couldn't go out a lot outside of like the general area because we weren't trying to get got. And so I watch a lot of TV and I just realized that I can't take credit for the accountant because looking at his IMDb, 
I did not realize he played Tony on Greatest American Hero, which is one of my favorite television shows. And Tony was in the special education class of the main character as one of his students. Wait a minute. And he was very good in that role. Like, almost like he didn't have to. Never mind. You know what? It's not appropriate. I remember the Greatest American Hero. I don't remember him being in it. But now I'm going to go back and find out. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm throw it in on DM because I don't need people to start putting pieces together what I'm figuring out about this man. Uh, you, I definitely sent you the trailer to the uh, sequel. 2008 is when they... <laughs> and I, I can tell you something, Rich. Boy, yeah. boy, boy, that trailer is hilarious. Okay, so I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm not sight unseen. I'm already in. Streets of Fire 2 still streeting. I am not doing that movie. You and Jay are absolutely. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are absolutely welcome. Too. Let me see. It is. They yeah. don't even have it ready for like, in, even in the Wikipedia, it doesn't say like followed by. No, no. Cause, oh, yeah. This is an unlicensed sequel. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, that's even better. That's my favorite type. <laughs> That's so, when you can start getting into like Eastern Europe. But he, but he did bring the um, Tom Cody coat with him, so that's one thing good about it. Oh, Road to Hell. Oh, okay. Michael Parry. Oh, he's back. Oh, <laughs> why did you just that? say he's back? <laughs> I'm livid. I am livid right now. Oh my god. And I didn't think about oh this, ladies and gentlemen. I got the two to the the two menaces of my timeline <laughs> on this episode right now. I didn't even realize it just till now. Hey, hey oh my man, god! Being, so wait, so this is like, ooh, I'm doing the I'm doing the uh, Steve uh, JFK dance right now at the the <laughs> level of green screen I'm seeing. It's a lot. <laughs> I, I maybe the whole movie. He looks the same. See, I, the, the evidence is mountain. He looks exactly the same. Yep. Uh, I think an accountant. That's I think this—that's going to be my new go-to. He's just an accountant. I think the story's supposed to be years later. Now he's still—he's looking—he's looking for his first love, and yeah, and somehow he gets met up with two <sighs> serial killers. Pune. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> he didn't tell me it was 2012. Albert Pune can't do it. Can't win with it. Well, Albert Pune, and he probably did crowdfunding. I'm looking at the way this written. Nah, nope, <coughs> I can't do it. This is look. This looks like they filmed it now because of COVID restrictions, keeping people away from each other. <laughs> it, was, it was 2008. Do you think they got a lot of funding for that? With someone, oh, what you want to do? Yeah, I want to do this sequel to uh, Streets of Fire. What? <laughs> for what? All right, and then that was actually the song from Streets of Fire that he just decided to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. They're just you know different, singing a different little way. Mm, it's cool. I want to see how much they cost for this movie. It had to be like seven bucks. World, I can't rock a suit. Seven dollars twenty-seven cents. You know what? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, oh yeah, in his pocket was seven. <laughs> man, so he had. I actually had five dollars and some change. Oh my goodness, you lied to us all this time. Anyway, so you know how much money that movie made, Jeff? How much? Fourteen hundred dollars. The sequel. The sequel made fourteen hundred dollars. Jeez, I guess. I guess it's people that really enjoy. 
Tom Cody? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's fourteen hundred, brother. Like that ain't. I mean, I know it's. I listen. I know, but still, it made money. Like people actually said, "Here, here you go." I'm going. To, I want to see this. Well, they probably wanted to see, you know, because if they were fans of Streets of Fire, they probably wanted to see it. Then when they saw it, it's like, shit. You know what type yeah. of thing. But Walter Hill had a budget. Like he had money. Yeah, he did. Oh, 40, even if 14. even for the money that he had, he made it look like he had money. Fourteen point five million. So. And one more thing before I get into the movie, Rich. How do you feel about unlikable Billy Fish played by Rick Moranis? <laughs> unlikable. I mean, I need that man to put out a book. Oh God. For what? I need I need Billy Billy Two Shoes. Like he, he was telling it like it is. Like if him and Cat Williams ever did a buddy comedy together before oh Rick God. Moranis ever tired after seeing that. Like he was just saying the same thing Cat was saying. Rich, like, I bought you dinner, girl. This Listen, man Rich. was hating women. Yeah, what are you talking about, skirt? Yeah, what did you just shut up? I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't think he's. I don't think you got what he was doing. Oh boy, this was like one of those like trying to get him to you know get somebody to get to that next level and like a good coach. He was just he was just digging deep. He was just just pushing him a little bit more. You know what, the, Rich? The only thing I agree with Billy Fish about is when they were in the alley and then Ed Bagley Jr. <laughs> had to just come out of the damn shadows <laughs> on their ass. Anyway, he paid the money and mm-hmm. said, Yeah, go buy some soap. That's the only thing I agree with. That's the only thing I agree with. Did Ed, ba- was- Did Ed Bagley Jr. really scare him for real? I feel like he, he yeah. was like, whoa. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Oh my God. I thought I was like, oh my God. What did I was like, Rick Moraz is either he's really good at what he's doing right now. They didn't tell him he was gonna be right there. But okay, but real quick, why why does he come out of the shadow and say, You don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> why the fuck would they know who they who you are? What the kind of silly question is that no and you know what i think it is i think that was somebody he knew because remember he said he used to grow up there in the battery but he left so it's probably somebody that he used to know but he kind of you know oh, he big no. time now yeah he ugh, rolling around mm. in the dirt Shit. so basically the movie stars off uh <laughs> we're about to have a ba- uh concert uh well sorry Ashley, let me take that back. The movie starts off to let you know this is a rock and roll fable. They absolutely want you to know that. And uh, Ellen Aim is about to have her concert. She's come back home. I guess a homecoming, whatever, homecoming concert. She comes out. <clears throat> she does a song or whatever. And for some reason, this gang has, like, you can see this motorcycle gang has came. And, like, they're in the backdrops. And they're waiting for the song to finish. And you see this one person in particular just standing there. And you see his silhouette. And when they put the uh, lights on him, it is William Defoe. Young William Defoe. We'll call him Raven, because that's what his name in this movie, Raven. And he's just like, get her! I'm like, okay, this is intense for a PG movie, especially. <laughs> so they just run up stage trying to get to Ellen Aim and basically eventually getting her and taking her away in a very 
hyper violent. <laughs> See, I was just like, this is kind of chaotic. And, and, and Bill Paxton gets his ass laid out. <laughs> yep. so. R.I.P. to the uh, one of the goats, Bill Paxton. Yeah, that man just any character role you need to do, he was just knocking out the park. And this one, he just knocked it out the park as well. Kind of like the goof. <laughs> the goof just tried to be cool but he tried to protect her or whatever but they end up taking away for whatever reason and the reasons we'll get to later so Reva Tom Cody's sister sends him a telegram basically telling him to come home he needs to come home uh, I guess she'll explain when he get home or whatever so he gets home or whatever, and uh, he comes to the diner that she works at, and this gang has already came in and whatever is trying to like harass <clears throat> the bar. Have you know they saying they're having fun, but they basically harassing the women that work there. And Reeves there, and Tom Cody's just sitting in the backdrop watching everything going down. So before it escalates too much, he stands up and he's like, "What are you gonna do, pretty boy?" One of the guys pulls out a switchblade in the scene that I would just always remember, and Tom Cody just. <laughs> I'm not sure if he y'all can help me out. Did he smack him three times, or they just they didn't rewind it three times to show us that he smacked him? <laughs> oh, he slapped that man three times. Yeah, yeah. So he takes the switchblade, like he's smacking him and taking the switchblade back at the same time, and beats try up again, punk. Yeah, try it again. He gives it back to him, and yeah, he just beats up these guys. I'm like three or four of them. Reva's all happy or whatever, and she basically explains to him. Yes, they stole. <laughs> I don't know why people say they stole Ellen Aim. No, they kidnapped Ellen Aim. You got to go get her. Her boyfriend's Billy Fish or whatever. And he's basically kind of like, well, my boyfriend go get it. Why well, don't deal with her no more? But as Rich has enlightened me in, in any final fight or Fatal Fury video game. You, you, mm-hmm. you do things like this, and then that makes so much sense. I'm so angry at you right now. <laughs> yeah, just, rage. This is a side scroller starting the accountant. Like, yeah, I am infuriated right there that you were just tearing down everything that I thought right now. That makes so much sense. So <clears throat> he eventually talks to Billy Fish, and he's going to do the job or whatever. But he got to go first. He got to go get his guns. <laughs> Jay, you told me he had a pack full of guns. He only had three guns. He only had three. Hey, look. Well, he had a big ass duffel bag. So I, I assumed he had more guns. Right. Guns but I paid attention to it today. I was like, oh, shotgun, rifle, and a little you know, a little, you know, six shooter or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's his duffel bag of guns. He didn't have a lot, but it was enough. It was, it was yeah, it was enough to get the job. Well, he doesn't man. need any. He doesn't need that many because his hands are the weapons. Well. See? This is rich. You know what? I'll never forget you for this. <laughs> you brought me into this world. I knew nothing about Streets of Fire until you said, let's review this. And then uh, I watched it twice today and another time in another place. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I am, ups- I am highly upset with you right now. So, uh, oh, before all this, um, Cody does meet up with uh, McCoy. And she definitely lets you know, she's trying to make some bread, and I'm a soldier. There's two things you always going to know about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
if if you I'm not gonna dive deep into it, but if you hear her say I'm a soldier in the second ending of the second act, you absolutely know what that means when she says it. Um, but she really was a soldier. She really was, but she uses it another way. Um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, so he meets up with her. They go, I guess, go to the bar or whatever, and where well, they meet in the bar. I think from yeah, tor- no, did he meet in torches? No, 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 no. They went to the bar. No, they went no, to no, Bill Paxton's bar, mm-hmm. and they got a drink yeah. or whatever. And Bill Paxton was trying to be a goof, and she ended up knocking him out. She basically starts hanging out with Tom Cody, and Tom Cody's like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, sure. And then she's like, Nah, I'm a soldier. Oh, no, 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 no. I just need some place to stay for a night. And he like, I guess, whatever. Come on. So uh, he lets her okay. stay. Go ahead. Real quick, real quick on that. Okay. You are sleeping on your sister's couch. Well, no, you're sleeping in your sister's spare bedroom. How you going to just invite somebody to come and sleep on the couch? I would tell you, but Rich has already told you he's the accountant. God damn it. I, I guess. I, yeah. we, we, why, why couldn't you call? Why you got to get him? Bring him to the funeral, not me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ashton. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just, just anytime you see Ben Affleck, just insert my man. God damn it. Rich, God. I wanted you on an accountant episode, but now you know what? You just infuriate me right now. <laughs> hey, hey, I love it. His sister's like, oh, so she really slept in the other room? Uh, why, why wouldn't she? I, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I I could. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's like, what did she say? Are you all, Are you always packing? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. And you say, we well, don't be pointing that thing around me. He's kind of like angry with her like, all of a sudden. She's just like, listen, if I point it, I'm going to shoot. Don't, you ain't got nothing to worry about. So he tells it. <laughs> he randomly just tells his sister, oh, yeah, by the way, somebody's sleeping on the couch. Well, why she ain't sleeping in your room? Go ask her. <laughs> I think she'd rather be sleeping in Reva's room. But- well, yeah. Um, and so... This is where we get to the point of Billy Fish and uh, Tom Cody talking. And he's like, all right, I'll go save her, but you're going to give me $10,000. And McCoy's like, well, you can't do this by yourself. So you need somebody to ride. And Billy's like, we don't need you, skirt. Get out of here. <laughs> he's just like, like, what is wrong with this guy? I've n- it's just jarring to hear Rick Moranis talk like that. I'm just sorry. I just, you know, Rick Moranis is, you know. Man, you fast five. I had a life before. I had a life before you knew me. That's all Rick Moran's got to say in the middle. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Let's see. You know what? All right, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rich. You 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 get me. You got me on this episode. I was gonna remember. I'm always remember this episode. The episode that I was forced to now see Tom Cody as the accountant. Yeah, and Rick Moranis, yeah. I got a life before I had a life before this. <laughs> Good gracious! Yep, <clears throat> Familia, like he he did a reverse Fast and Furious. Like they started out as stealing, you know, laser discs and VHS tapes, and now they're like super spies. He started out as like you know the craziest pimp this side of another time, another place, and then just had to settle down and get oh, drunk. My goodness, I get it. So they go to Torchies where they got Ellen Aim at, and uh, William Defoe pulls up in the room. You know something? <laughs> Me and you, we could fall in love for a week or two. Then I'll let you go. 
And she is like, what is wrong with you? I just get nervous around what I just get nervous around girls. I, I was just like, hey, I was like, oh, I'm what I'm a songwriter myself. <laughs> and first and foremost, that fit he came in on, I'm not sure what it was. Like it was he had a, a size zero tween outfit. Like that dude. Like a waist trainer. 87 pounds. 87 freaking pounds. Like it was ridiculous to look at Willem Dafoe. He absolutely looked like an adult. No, he looked like the teenage version of Eddie Eddie Monster. Is that the thing? That, that, yeah, Eddie Monster. Yeah, that's what he looked like. He even had the, the hair. He carried himself. I called him Skinny Kurgan. And that works too. Because that's basically what Kurgan did to Duncan's uh, not No, Connor. No, no. Duncan. No, which one? Wait, crap. He took Christoph Lambert's wife. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm going to watch the Highlander tonight. The first one, not the second one. But anyway. Oh, what, what? <laughs> why, why not the second one? Oh, you saw why I'm not no, watching it. Oh, you don't want to go to the planet? Guys, <laughs> oh, I don't. I, 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 when I found out about that, uh, English, <laughs> that English version, I'm like, what? Anyway, that's another time and another place. So they go to Tor- was it Torquay Torchies to go get mm-hmm. Ellen Aim. Um, they got a plan. Basically, McCoy's going to go through the front. Tom's going to go through the back, and basically, uh, Billy stays and you know because he's going to be the drug getaway. He's all nervous and stuff because he's talking fast, hundred miles per minute. So they're maneuvering. McCoy's maneuvering through the uh, bar, or whatever, and stuff like that. Tom Tom's moving over to basically make a long story so they end up getting there and as they got her she decides to have she wants to have this conversation with Tom like oh you know basically why did you leave and blah 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 and he's just like you know you chose what you wanted to choose you wanted to do your music and la 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 he's all upset about it he's bitter but he's yeah he's pretty much bitter about that that you know she was going in a different direction than he was, basically. And he saw that, you know, she was becoming bigger than, you know, than she originally was. She was going to be a star, and he was kind of, like, still who he was or whatever. So he just kind of dipped and went to the army. Um, But them leaving Torchies, it is just like, what, World War Three? You got explosions, motorcycles, shotguns. It's just insane. But at the end of this, all you see is fire. And William Defoe walking through it, raving. And as Rich said, he was just like, hey, what's your name? Yeah, I'm Tom Cody. I'm Tom Cody. And he's just basically like, you know what? I'm going to take her, put you down, and it's going to be that pretty much. So he's basically saying his own next time we see each other, his own site. And I'll be waiting. Yeah, Tom Cody. <laughs> The tax code allows for you to make sure you can claim this as an accidental fire. Oh my goodness, he did say that too. I'll be worried. I'm like, oh my goodness. So they get back. They get. Excuse me. Okay, but no, what I was gonna say was why. Okay, waiting before he walks literally out of the fire. Then after he say his little promo to him, he walks back into the fire. Where the hell did he go? He's the raven. That's the raven. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the same uh, uh, BS that Rich is on right now. 
he's a raven. That's all I got for you. Because I ain't got no other answer. Because I always wonder. I say, like, did he just walk back into the fire? And damn, it looked like he was going like he was going on a damn fishing boat. I was like, why are you dressed like that? Like, <laughs> like, like what are you doing? But they were, but that whole that whole club because we kind of glossed over that whole club was ridiculous anyway. See, and that's why I question was it the fifties because everybody was dressing just different. Like you had some eighties outfits out there. I'm like, I don't know about this. What? But but basically, Prince's say, house. <laughs> but I will say that band could have got booked at the Double Deuce. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah, they 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 could have had a permanent stay if they wanted to. Uh, <laughs> so they get back into town or around the corner, and everybody's happy, you know. But the chief is basically like, "All right, like the, the no, 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 no. You didn't. You just skipped over a lot. What I skip over when they was escaping. Yeah, you, you know they pick up some people. Oh yeah." <laughs> One thing Walter Hill got about this movie, he liked the word spades, and it was oh. I was starting to get uh, irritated Woof. really fast. Woof. That's how I knew it was still the fifties. Oh, spade! God damn it! Yeah. So um, as they're trying, well, no, they they try to dump the car. You absolutely right, did forget all that. So um, Thomas telling you know, Thomas telling Billy that we got to dump the car, and he's still like, "Oh, we got to dump the car," and he's like, "Look." Just listen to them. This is what we got to do. They dumped the car, so they're looking for a way out of there, and they end up in some like little city. I don't know what it was. It's weird. Eighties, some eighties. Yeah, it was like a little, like I guess like a little Las Vegas street, like a little super small Las Vegas street. That's what you could call it. Like a lot of stuff was going on, and <clears throat> this girl, this woman came. I don't know if she was supposed to be a girl or a woman. It seemed like she was baby doll, Tommy Pickles. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's uh, what that is. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying I just don't know if it was, she was supposed to be training a woman or a girl because she seemed more girlish than more of a woman. Yeah. No, no, I got you, though. Because yeah. she was more like a yeah. super fan, like, oh, I know who you are, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell you something. Ellen Aim is like CM Punk or Randy Orton when it comes to fans. <laughs> She's like, whatever. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like she over it. I'm like, you ain't even made it. You just kind of like local. You ain't even made it out of the state yet. What's going on? How you acting like this? Mm-hmm. And hey. yeah, and she's just like going a mile. And she's like, oh, you know, the police are looking for you. Can I get out of here or whatever? But all of a sudden, she tags along with them, which was really weird because I'd be like, get out of here, kid. Why are you following yeah. us? And she had nothing else to do. This bus pulls up. <laughs> And, and Jay's favorite movie star is driving it. Stoney Jackson. Walter Hill. One of Walter Hill's favorite go-to men yeah. for films. I don't know why. Maybe they just had a good rapport with each other. I don't know. But Stoney Jackson was in a lot of Walter Hill films. But also you got Robert Townsend. Uh, who else was in there? Who else was uh was part of Gr- that? Grandel Bush and Michael T. Williams. Yeah, and I forgot the group name right now. What was the boy? What was in the group name? The Stonies. <laughs> the Shereels. <laughs> the Stonies. I call them the Stonies. <laughs> oh, once right. I saw, once well, I saw the soul glow, I knew where it was. Rich, going. let me ask you a question, and I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'll know my answer after this. How much sleep have you gotten? 
Enough? I mean, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't feel like you have. Like, I use it the Stonies. <laughs> Listen, Tony Jackson out here looking like Max Caster's like great uncle. <laughs> Just ready. Like, hey, hey, man, Let's ain't nobody going to get in here. Side by side. It's my, it's my uh, bus or whatever. And you know what, you know what the white man Cody, Cody did? You want to bet? Oh, okay, y'all can come on in. Put out a, show them the gun, yeah, and they, <laughs> show them the gun. It's again, it's just like, it's, you know, if you want to file this as a lost wage, you could always wait until April. Oh my goodness! It, so they bully their way into the bus. Basically, they telling them that. Basically, they telling these guys their little adventure they went on. They kind of look at them like, man, we black. So. <laughs> <laughs> we get it rougher than that. You know, yeah, just by like look at the way we look. Shit. We have the tough time getting booked and stuff and all this other stuff. So basically they they you know, uh, McCoy's like nothing's gonna happen and whatever, whatever, and it's cool or whatever. So eventually, you know, cooler heads prevail and they kinda help them out or whatever. So as they're um as they're trying to get back home, they end up uh bus singing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Rick Moranis is Rick Moranis just smiling like his butt with his baby like yeah they sound oh, pretty good he already sk- make some money yeah he already scheming like P did he like oh yeah I'm gonna give you this three sixty for you yeah mm-hmm. I that got was, this they, three- was the, they was the locks that was the locks yeah he was he's about to you know <laughs> get them locked sail to them there but the cops show up and they pull up and you know so the game plan is to say yeah. All these white people are working for this black group in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Right. Rick Moranis was supposed to be. What they did was they told them, we, we, in exchange for working with these uh, folks, we get to pass all their moves to Elvis. And then the police were like, I understood. Yeah, but my whole problem with that is Rick Moranis was supposed to be the smartest one in the group, right? So he mm-hmm. knew that won't go fly. But he was like, oh, no, right ahead of you. You ain't got to explain it to me. I'm like, yeah, those cops knew that was BS. So, the, yeah, he was hoping he was hoping he'd get to, he'd get murdered by cop and the accountant would get taken out. And he would have to worry about his girl. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Billy tried to pay off the cops and the cops like, oh, give me a little bit more. He's like, oh, you, you really take off a big chunk, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, yeah, all right, everybody off the bus and whatever. You know, he took he was going to take the money, take the bribe, and take them down, too. And he said something about spades, and I was just like, huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, Walter Hill. That's his favorite card game, Jeff. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I, uh, you know, I can see why certain actors, you know, Robert Townsend especially, was like, nah, I'm just going to do my thing over here in Hollywood because, mm. yeah, I see how well, it goes. Wait, remember, Jeff, I, I actually linked this movie and 48 Hours of Being a Shared Universe. Because if you look at the fits that the Shirelles have on, and you look at what Reggie Hammond had Oh, my goodness. And my theory was always that Reggie Hammond was the original <laughs> lead singer of the group, but he went to jail for a couple of years. And during that time he was in jail, this is what was going on. You know what? I can't even say you wrong. I can't. I won't. So I won't even try. 
So at this point, they're getting out the car, or getting out the uh, bus or whatever. But Tom Cody got a plan. He ain't going down. He ain't going to jail. That's one thing you can believe. Tom Cody is a white man that is not going to jail. So he just <laughs> shoots the car, shoots them, kicks the motorcycles down. Like he ain't nah. If he was ever in jail, he, he was basically saying, I ain't going back. So they all run. Run away, they all running, which is just hilarious just seeing that scene of all of them running. Because I'm like, why is Baby Doll there? She could have left at any time. Anytime. She didn't have to go in the bus. At all. She's down with the gang. She trying to she trying to open just like with those dudes. Oh my goodness. Okay, uh yeah, mixtape. Jay, what happened? What happens from right here once they try to get away, uh once they're getting away from the police? Well, well, I mean, well, we did skip that scene where where they had to uh, fix the uh, wheel on the bus first, and then the whole thing with the um, cops happened. Because doing that part is where we find out that Baby Dog wants to be in music herself, but she has problems as far as like mm-hmm. with the lyrics, and that's where Helen's <laughs> like, you know what? No people, I don't write this shit. I just sing it. They write it for me. I just, I just want it. Rich, she said, and I quote, "I don't know. Somebody else writes the movie. She said, "Somebody else writes it. Billy pays for it, steals it. I don't know. She is just like, get this person away from me. She is not with the fans. Yeah. She's like, what inspires you? Like, I don't, man. I get up." Paycheck. What you want from me? I just sing and dance. That's all. That's it. It's almost like she don't even want to be like a singer. She's just kind of like doing it to do it. Yeah. She's like Vanity's character in The Last Dragon if she had less of a personality. Oh, buddy. You're not wrong. Because Vanity had at least a personality in that one. This one. Like if Jimmy Arcade was just like. And she dated him? Oh, yeah, that would be, woo. that's basically this. So that might be in the last Dragon Shared Universe, too. Oh, boy. So, so, okay, so when they, the part when they're running to try to, because they're running away from the cops, because, like, cops are just showing, it's like, it's almost like Grand Theft Auto. Cops just coming out of nowhere. Right? So they literally running down the street, and all you see is damn white socks from the Shirelles because they got (laughs) these high waters on when they were running. Mm. And they realize, oh, there's a train. Okay, we can just hop on this train because, you know, the Warriors, you know, that whole thing. So they end up getting on the train and they make it back to, and they just show up. Walking down the street, so you have these white people and this black, mm-hmm. the all these black guys, they just strolling down the street and you know, they get back, train. yeah, <laughs> and they get back to their little corner of uh, whatever town they're in, and you know everybody's happy that you know Ellen's back and everything, but it's like they could give a two shits about Tom. It's like, yeah, you saved us. You got you you got us back, but and fuck this place. Fuck you, basically. We gonna leave. And oh yeah, she is. Her and Billy are fucking like, yeah, she got roughed up, and yeah, I'm gonna get out of this dump. And she's just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here too. I'm like, oh, fuck you too, Ellen. Shit, that's just your hometown. Well, remember, Ellen got all angry because. Uh, her boyfriend had already started the process on the bus of, you know, he just came back for the money, right? 
We just, I just cut him a check. <laughs> you, yeah. you see how I saved your life? I sent Avengers for you, girl. He, he really was dry snitching, too. He, you know, I gave him $10,000. Oh, shit. Shut up. <laughs> but, he's a soldier of fortune. You're the fortune, girl. But at the same time. He ain't do this for free. But, but at the same time, Tom was broke. He was like, broke, and their relationship had been over. So, yeah, he did it for the money. <laughs> like, shit, I need, I need money. Shit. You nah, see what I'm wearing? All I got is these suspenders. All I got is suspenders. <laughs> what do you want from me? I need money. I've been he wearing the same fit. I've been wearing the same <laughs> fit for the last 10 years. He has yeah, that. Even with those suspenders are rent to own. He still got payments on them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but but I'm mad that the whole group, they just they just peace out with Billy. And they leave, you know, Tom there well, with, with Reva. Yeah. Or even Baby Doll. She leaves with Billy. And I'm like, why is she going with him? She's not wanted. I can't call because even when even when Todd pulled back up to the hotel room, he opened the door. And she she opened the door. And he like, what are you still doing here? <laughs> hey. oh, I, I, I'll, I'll go and I'll let you guys. Yeah, oh. that's the last we saw her. I felt like that he was just he just saw her. He just got to be the actor was just like she's still in this movie. <laughs> they forgot. They probably kept her on set and they were like, oh. Oh, she has been eating in craft services. <laughs> I thought y'all needed me for this take. Sorry. Oh. So what do we got? Oh, basically. Tom, I, get the, this is where Tom gets to do his best acting. Yeah, I think this is supposed to be everybody's like away from each other, thinking about everything that happened. So Tom is at the restaurant. He thinking McCoy's like, "Hey, when we go back to the bar and uh, beat up old boy," he's like, "Nah, no, I want to do it right now. <laughs> I think I want to be alone." And then you know she come over there. Basically, she's like, "What's up with you or whatever?" And he like. Leave me alone. He's been like, leave me alone. And she's like, he's like, I'll get you your money whenever. And she's like, it ain't about the money. Just say at least say thank you. That's all she wanted. And like, you know, I did a good job. She wants that, you know, because she feel like they're friends. That's basically what it comes in. You want that, mm-hmm. want that like, yeah, you did a good job. But he ain't giving it to her. He's like, you know, they start fussing. Why don't you get out of here? And then she's like, she threw that last dig in basically like, you know something? Billy did get one thing right about you. You're a jerk or whatever. And so she, they uh, leave out or whatever. She's upset. Then his sister comes over and she's kind of like getting on him too. He got like, "What do you want from me?" <laughs> Tyrese. Wow. He's like pretty much fed up, and just because basically he's still in love. So he goes out in the rain and goes across the street to the hotel. And this is my favorite part where he goes in there and he's talking. <laughs> well, Billy got a flex on him. <laughs> I know why you're here. Told you I'm good. I can be good for it. Here goes your $10,000. He said, maybe you start listening to me. You can make some more money or whatever. Something he tried to. Billy was talking that money. Mm-hmm. Talked to him slick. So he kind of he took the money but kind of ignored it and went straight up to Ellen Aim and was basically like, you know, I wouldn't do anything for you, babe, but not anymore. So he kind of like storms out. But before he storms out, I remember he 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 gave the money for he got uh uh 
Got the thousand. Yeah, it's through the through the. I'm like, come down, yeah, come on, Tom, come on, buddy. You see your suspenders ain't you know they ain't suspendering like they used to. Come on now, don't throw it. Don't don't do that. Accounting ain't accounting. Oh, you didn't slap me in my face with some goddamn money. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And Ellen is standing there because she all like, oh, I do love him. And she's like, I'm sorry, Billy. And he's like, sorry, what are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> so she kind of leaves. She leaves her boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know y'all gonna hate me out there. Especially Shahid, if you hear it. He leaves. She leaves and takes her cheeks over to her ex. <laughs> Listen. Listen, was he ever hers though? Because I, if you rewind, let me see, let me get my thing back. If you go back to like the seventy-five minute mark when we see him for the first time, you see right above Rick Moranis on his little thing, he got a little a little uh, little thing, kind of like how Notre Dame taps it. He's like, "Call me Kuta Kente because I'm a slave to the game." <sighs> Look. This rich you are in rare form, sir. I'm just gonna let you know that right there. You are. I'm gonna blame it on cold medicine and uh, yeah, you you anti anxiety meds being mixed. I don't know what to put it. Whatever whatever they put on that thing when I do my my notes apology, I'll I'll, I'll have it ready. <laughs> so basically, yeah, they go have a, a, a I guess a night of passion. No, I guess it was a couple of hours because they ended up on the train at nighttime. <clears throat> so basically, that's what happened. And yeah, Billy's kind of left up by himself, you know, making his money. But um, Tom knows it's not going to work out. And he makes up with uh, McCoy and is kind of like telling her, like, yeah, you did a good job out there. Sorry, basically, I was being a dick. I need to talk to you for us about something. And he's basically like, he kicking it real to like, I got emotions for her, I love her. And she's like, no, that's cool to have emotions. You know, we all have them and stuff. And she's telling him about her experience or whatever before she was a soldier. And um, they, she just like, he's like, I need your help doing something. So we don't get what he actually needs help. We just get to the point of, did I miss the, well, no, before that, did the, sheriff, did the chief talk to him already? Was that before no, or after? after their conversation? That's when the chief. Yeah, the chief. In. Chief basically tells him, "Hey, get out of town. Old boys coming after you, but I don't want that trouble in my town. Like, we'll deal with it. You got to get out of here, bro." And as Rich has told us, he just stares at him. The best lines in the movie. He just looks at him the whole time. I mean, he brought it. He brought it. He had it. He had it locked down. But Ellen is on this train with Cody, and they kind of like snuggled up with each other. And McCoy's like in the distance, kind of like looking, and she kind of like, "Oh boy, I don't know how this gonna go down." So they, she, Ellen's thinking like, "Oh, we're going away together," but no, that's not what's happening. The train stops. He said, "Come on, Ellen," and he picks her up. He says, "She's like Tom. What's going on?" He turns around and gives her. The meanest right hook I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it came out of, like, when I say it came out of nowhere, I was not expecting that the first time I saw that. He cold cocked her, like, you know, make sure she's safe or whatever, you know. He basically, 
he know he has to finish the job because when they brought him back, which I forgot to state, the bikers had kind of followed them. So that morning or afternoon when they came back with LNA, one of the bikers was there looking, basically telling the chief, like, yeah, Raven want to talk to you. And Raven told him, all I want is Tom Cody. I don't want any trouble with your town. Let me have him, and it's all good. So that's the end of why the chief doesn't want him there. So Tom wants to finish this, but, you know, Ellen thinks they're going to live happy ever after. It's not going to happen. Like he said, they're on two different roads right now. She going one way and he going the other. So Tom is trying to get back to town. But now <laughs> Raven's squad is basically starting fires to basically – I think they're trying to keep people in, right? He's not realizing that Tom yeah, was out. Yeah, so he's not realizing that, you know – Tom is almost out, but I guess he found a way to get back in. That morning, the um, uh, Raven pulls up. He's like, where's Tom? Sheriff, like, he ain't here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Raven is like, oh, bet, word. So he brings, he sounds the little bullhorn, horn or whatever, and the whole squad pull up with motorcycles, which is a cool scene. I did like that scene or whatever. But <laughs> the, the funniest part is it's like Bill Paxton's like, I want to stick around and see this. And then he see all the motorcycles. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he go run and get the whole town. He go get the whole town to tell everybody to bring, bring, the, bring the hammers with him. Because when he come back, they come back. Everybody, everybody is packing. Before we get to that, we get to the fight scene because Tom Cody pulls up. Tom Cody ain't going to miss a fight. Let me tell you something. He changed his clothes, ladies and gentlemen. He's got on like some long, uh, long John sweater, a long John, yep. whatever, with some suspenders. He's going to keep the suspenders now. That's just, that's one thing that's going to stay. And what Raven said is, you know, I can get a lot of guns or whatever, but he want to have some, what would y'all say, some 1800s type of fight? Because he got railroad hammers. What are, what are those things? Yeah, he got yeah. railroad sledgehammers. Yeah. yeah, like those are like the pre H, like the real ones, not like this overdone thing. And they, again, that's what made me think of the Kurgan again from Highlander. Like we're having like basically, if this was the 80s, they would have been fighting in a Sparks factory. But since it was the 50s, we're out in the streets. We got yeah. the cast of, uh, 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 you know, uh, the Sharks and the Jets out there ready to slap some fools and then a police officer i don't know why they agreed for this to go full vigilante <laughs> violence like there's no batman yeah there's no one there to kind of like I, I, hey tom like tom cody is batman batman because the chief is just like well shit my way didn't work let's see if yours does hey tom yep kick his ass <laughs> it's like i guess okay I, I, I went this far with the movie so i'm here and what proceeds to happen is that this is pretty much a squash. I had questions about William Defoe being the leader of that group. He I was, was out of his weight class. I mean, everybody else up to this point ain't challenging, I guess, in public. Yeah, I think that second lead, dude. Um, yeah, I think he took over. Well, you know who the second lead dude is, right? Who's that? Well, and Rich, you probably you probably would know too. Um have you seen the movie Clue, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's Mr. Mr. Body. Oh wow. That's what that is. You know, I never yeah, noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. 
But yeah, he clearly took over the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like, let's get out of here. He picked up William Defoe and basically, you know, Tom saved the town. But <clears throat> the whole town before they leave, you know, they pull up their guns like, y'all going to leave or get dropped. So that's when the dude was like, let's get out of here. So they leave and we get to the end where this is the most insane dialogue that's happening. So Billy and Tom talk. He's basically like, well, yeah, Billy's like, yeah, I know she's with you. I know, you you know, you got a cheek, so it's okay. I know. And then Tom is basically like, "Uh, no, you're good for her. You know, she can't be around me. She's going places and you can have her. They're just passing her around right now as an object. I'm just like, what is happening right now? What is happening? I mean, he punched the highlights out of hair. He can't be. They can't. Well, she, oh, and she makes sure. This, <laughs> so once um, Billy knows, Billy's like, you know, okay. Billy's like, all right, all right. you know, basically she'll be with me because I guess that's just where it's going to be, which is weird, but whatever. And she pulls up to Tom. Tom basically saying, I didn't forget that right hook. <laughs> like, she threw a little dig. Like, yeah, I know you punched me, but it's okay because I get why you did it. But I, yeah, there was another way to go about this, but it was 84, and I'm pretty sure Walter. I mean, again, you know, yeah. that was the quickest way to get that equation figured out. I guess. So, they you know, he just lets her know. Anytime you need me, anytime you need to call me, I'll be there. Which you do hear the last, if you listen to watch that trailer, Rich, that's what he says at the end of that trailer I sent you. He okay. says it again in that. But uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Listen, he also, I just look at this show and think about that ending, and I'm just waiting for, you know, a little. Hey, handsome, we got another job for you. Oh, good. No, no more jobs because he leaves as she starts her concert. Well, no, I'm sorry. The, uh, why can't I never think of that group? The Swir- What's the name of the group? Shirelles. The Shirelles start, they open the concert. And then, you know, she comes in. But and when she comes in and starts singing a song, he leaves. And basically, McCoy steals the car that he stole. And she's like, hey, look what I found or whatever. And he's like, oh, it looks good, you know. He's basically asking her for a ride. And she's like, I told you, I don't, I'm a soldier or whatever. I don't, you know. And he's like, uh, whatever, just give me a ride. And they ride off in the sunset. And I'm like, well, in the dark, actually. But I'm just like, that's weird for the movie to end like this. Like, so. No, nah, they got to go to their next job. Like, all right, handsome, let's go. I'm a soldier, you a soldier. You know, okay, because like we talked about earlier, that this was the first of supposed to be a planned trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I I wonder how the second movie would have came about. Was Ellen going to get taken again, or, or what? Like, what was going to bring them back? I, that's that's super interesting. Like, what? I wish you know the scripts or out. I, I wish they were out there to know like what was supposed to happen next. Yeah. So we're gonna go to New York. Oh, I'm saying it was I'm, supposed to be called the Long Night. <laughs> Book two in the Adventures of Tom Cody. So I mean, I mean, oof, streets, I don't even know. Streets of Fire. I don't know what you would have called the next one. It is interesting because 
a planned trilogy. So if that movie happened to be successful, the second one would have probably just picked up where that one left off and they would have just went to the next town, I guess, and just fought crime. Uh, no, nah, I think they would have been like, because if it was going to be called The Long Night, I figure Homeboy just had ideations of redoing the Warriors. Mm. Well, that could absolutely be true, too. Where it's like just him and the soldier against an entire gang and they just got to last the night. And maybe they got, you know, if they want the music, that, that that's what I'm interested in. Are they going to keep the music motif or does he pick something else that's like another artistic form? Ah, yeah. Like, I mean, you got to keep it. A, you have to keep it a fable, I guess. So I yeah. guess you would keep the music. Yeah. And would, would James Remar would have shown up? since? Oh, absolutely. You know that. You absolutely. <laughs> he would have gotten one of those movies. If they would have, the second one or the third one, he would have been in it. But like you got Chris Christopherson, like there's so many options of people mm. you could have pulled in that like be a musician slash actor that would have been cheap still then because they were just on the come up. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely true. Um I like I said, uh I think we all unanimously enjoyed this movie to a certain degree. But the question always remains when we do these movies. Is this bad, bad, or bad, good? Rich, I'm going to let you start it off. Uh, funny man tonight, like she tell me. Oh, this is bad, great. This is this is, this is beyond good. Like this, you got to see this just to see how well the music works and how ridiculous my man is accounting. <laughs> it's, you know what, I'm going to let you have it. His name is Tom Cody. He had two first names. They had Cody. See, is Streets of Rage or no? Uh, uh, Final Fight. I feel like this is supposed to be a video game. The more you talk, yeah, Jay. Especially when you have the fight with the uh, sledgehammers. Like you got to hit. Oh, 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 oh! Hit A, hit A. I, I, I absolutely would never forget <laughs> you for this, Rich. I really won't. <laughs> hit B and C. B and C does the swing. Jay, is this a bad, bad, or bad good movie? For okay, for me, it is a, it's an entertaining movie, so it <laughs> leans more to the good, because I don't think there's really another movie quite like it. Oh, it ain't. This is this is an original thing. Yeah, and and what's crazy about it too is because like what you were saying earlier about the whole Stallone thing. So Walter Hill gets Stallone finally in a movie bullet to the head mm-hmm. and in that movie he has the damn sledgehammer fight yes. with Jason Momoa yes I'm I'm telling y'all he wanted Stallone for this and couldn't get him like, I don't get time. this what's going on here I don't think it's for me but, I mean by 80 by 83 84 he was too Stallone big was too big yeah. yeah he was too big for it. he was like no this isn't for me Maybe if he would have did this around the time that uh, Paradise Alley came out, maybe he could have got Stallone at that time because he had just done the first Rocky. He was still, you know, still trying to make his way. Mm-hmm. You know. But see, look at the fact, though, that when he did these movies, he did so well because you had the Warriors, everybody, you know, that got a lot of uh, love. Then he does this one, which, you know, we talk. But then the <laughs> two years before, he's done 48 Hours. Mm-hmm. And then Brewster's Millions. So you have, like, he has the cachet of Hollywood. And then, of course, 
my man helps with the story on aliens probably you know whisper to some people get bill paxton in here maybe write in game over man for him you know I, that's my 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 uh my fan fiction pardon the pun and then in 88 he does red heat so mm. correct me if i'm wrong when does uh planet is planet hollywood too late is that like mid 90s i cannot remember now my brain doesn't work anymore when it comes yeah. to that let's look it up uh, and see that's that has to be like yeah early mid mid 90s because he gets red heat he does last man standing and then finally bullet to the head so it took 20 years for him to get the final member of planet hollywood and that shouldn't have happened because if you could get because i love i mean if you ever do bad meaning bad bad meaning good for last man standing (laughs) there's no reason again you talk about anachronisms (laughs) for a man to have unlimited ammo in a western but alas he does i'm gonna tell y'all a secret i'm gonna tell y'all a secret and I'm glad Shahid is not here to hear this. I've never Don't seen. Tell me you I've, seen. I've never seen Red Heat. How dare you? Oh, oh that's better than Last Man Standing. Red Heat. Yeah. I can see why you missed that. Like I have one of those DVDs where it's Red Heat and another movie on the back of it. So mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, I've just never seen it. I need to put it on my list. I need to watch it. I that's mean, fine. I, You've I, seen Forty Eight Hours. It's a worse Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and, and so about instead of having because I'm okay well Rich you probably can help with this who okay Arnold would be who because is he Reggie or is he um, uh, Kate's he would be Nick Nolte because he was supposed to be the straight laced yeah because he they go by the book I mean, he's supposed to be Russian Soviet yeah yeah he's like, a Soviet like uh, militia dude and then Belushi was, of course, Chicago cop. Uh, going to so be he... the most slovenly human being ever next to the muscle machine. <laughs> that movie is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This. I've been. No, I've, I've, this movie is just interesting. There's, there's few. There's a few more Walter Hill movies, like Rich said, that could be up on this. Bad oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah. Cause you know, I told I told y'all. Um, I don't know if y'all listened to the trespass episode, but that was our me and Shahid's mm-hmm. biggest debate. Like I think that was like our biggest debate. Should this be on bad meaning bad? Or should this be on hood classics? And we just settled on hood classics. But they could have easily went over to bad meaning bad. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of when I listened to that episode and y'all was talking about Stony Jackson fit in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> but you're right. Yo, was right. Like, what was he doing? Like, why? Why are you wearing this fit? Like, like what's going on? I, I guess when Man said he was he he was second in command. He was dressing like it. I don't know. But even they made a point. He made a point in the movie. Like, nah, I don't need no big gun. You know, I got look. I got look good with my fit on. Can't be having nothing big. I'm like, okay. So yeah, he just wanted Ooh, to look. My dude, my dude. When he finds people, he sticks with them. He's got a movie coming out in the next year or two called Dead for a Dollar, and it's a Western starring Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. There you go. Yeah. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know what? For Once you find your people. Yeah, I mean, right. I think everybody do that. You can see the Robert Rodriguez does that. Uh, yeah. Quinn does that. Like, a lot of people do that. But Willem Dafoe, that's like 40, 40 years between movies together? Almost. Yeah. 
Unless they just got a, you know, like a friendship, you know, outside of. No, I think Willem just went with that Spider-Man rules. Like, can I do my own stunts? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, and I'm in. Yeah, you might be right about that. <laughs> you absolutely might be right about that. He's like, okay, if I can do my own stunts, I'm in. I don't care what it is. Hey, look, he should have. He better have a role for Stoney Jackson. That's all I got to say. I'm not even sure Stoney Jackson is still in the, is he still in the game? Yeah, he's still acting. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's still, Look at the cast right now. Christoph Waltz, Willem Dafoe, Rachel Brosnahan, well, Brandon Scott, Warren Burke, Benjamin Bratt. Whoa, okay, good hair. Uh, Hamish Linklater and Guy Burnett. No, he might show up as like random, you know, ranch hand number six. Hopefully he's he's dropped spade from his uh vocabulary for his oh uh, we 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 would definitely hope so. Um, no, I'm I'm sure of that. You know, yeah, uh, you know, he's had to change with the times. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, we we've seen what uh what uh certain alters do and and claim in the name of artistic liberty. Well. I'm gonna go ahead and close this out. I enjoyed the movie. I'm going. I'm going to say it's bad. Good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it's bad. Good. This is definitely one of those where I've enjoyed. Even though, boy, Tom Cody is a lot to take in. But after Riches, breaking it down somewhat, I'm starting to come around to it. But yeah, the account won't out then. So <laughs> that's where it falls short. <laughs> but if I look at it that way, I think I can accept it a little bit more. Oh my goodness. Now, before we get up out of here, I'm going to let you guys plug whatever you want to plug, your social media, what you got coming up next, or what you got got out right now. Now, Rich, we can go ahead and start with you. Oh, okay. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rich underscore fan. Typically, I'm not this out of pocket, but, you know, uh, alas, my cold medication mixed with uh, some Sprite has resulted in uh, oh my Lord. some dire side effects. Rich out here, dirty sprite it up. You know what? <laughs> I just, I was just trying to get like some sprite zero and some cold, cold and flu, and you know things went wrong. And uh, yeah, so follow me there. You can always go to PW Torch. All my wrestling stuffs there. Jeff usually gets me wrangled up with these bad many bad mad many good. Uh, delightful jaunts, and hopefully the next movie is as entertaining as uh, this special young man was. Oh boy, Jay. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, you can find me also on the Twitter, of course, uh, at the Jay Giles. Right now, I'm not Stony Jackson anymore. I had to retire that for reasons. Um, not dealing with the actual actor, but <laughs> other reasons. Um, right now I am Bundini Brown, so, and yeah. that's supposed to be better. Yes, that's better. <laughs> uh, I'm telling y'all, these are two these are two timeline terrorists, and you don't even know because they're so yeah, smooth they with it. Jay, Jay could go to like Tom, Tom, you know, Tom Cody Rhodes, and just hey, put, 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 yeah. hey, they might be next, and yeah, yeah. See, Rich, you just gave me an idea. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but uh yeah um like I said you can find me on the Twitter uh, at the J Giles also um right now over on my podcast uh, J Movie Talk podcast part of TV Zone Podcast Network 
I just started the the Scream movies, and I had Jeff on the first episode of the month. He kicked off the new year with me as we talked about the original Scream from 1996. That was a lot of fun. So you can check that out. And like I said, all this month is basically Scream month. I'm doing all four movies, kind of coincide with the release of the new one, which actually comes out um, this month. So, yeah. That's, that's what's going on with me right now. And then, of course, I'll be back on bad meaning bad, bad meaning good at some point down the road. You got March. You got March, and I believe Rich has May, if I remember. Yeah. So, I think so, yeah. so. So you'll be hearing you'll be hearing me, you'll be hearing, yeah, again. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely going, um, Rich, you've already got the invite for the accounting episode. Uh so <laughs> Yeah, you already knew that. You, you had to already know that was going to happen. <laughs> and that definitely would be on the hood. Classic side. Uh, if y'all want to follow me, you know what it is. Jeff versus the world on Twitter. Uh, that's it for right now until uh, these Instagram folks stop uh, being slow. The process is super slow. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm not going to make it a big deal. So, yeah. If you want to listen to anything that I've done as far as I'm not Dave wrestling podcast, uh, hood classes or bad men and bad. You can easily go to jeffersoftheworldpodcast.com and find them all there. Or you can either just go to, you know, wherever you listen to, uh, Spotify, Apple. Uh, wherever you listen to your platform, the platform that you use to listen to podcasts, just look up Jeff versus the World and I will be there. Um, yeah, so I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. Uh, you could have been doing anything else. Got a football game on, got wrestling on. Um, but, you know. You took the time out and helped the brother out with the podcast. Um, and I really appreciate you guys for that. <clears throat> Thank you. So yeah, awesome. Absolutely. I mean, we got to support each other. Until next time. Uh this will be the January episode. Uh you may have a Lucy here. Um, maybe not, but uh you'll hear Bad Meaning Bad again in February. And I think that will be Brandon's month. Not sure what movie's going going on. Not sure what's going to happen, but we will definitely let you know through Twitter. Until then, y'all stay safe. Peace.